to left behind, which is our way of describing when you have this sudden shift or the sudden upset in your relationship, such as someone decides to leave the relationship unexpectedly, or maybe it's not completely unexpectedly, but one person wants out and the other one wants to stay and you're unable to reconcile or you know, maybe there's something else that could happen in your relationship. Like, for example, if someone decides to leave a religion or maybe wants to join a new religion or wants to do this completely new, different lifestyle, and you're kind of like, whoa. And so we're going to talk about how to handle that and maybe some tips for processing that. So I want to start with how to handle when your partner suddenly decides to leave. And maybe this is expected, maybe it wasn't, but I'd like to delve into that because I think it's pretty rare for that just to happen, for you know one person to think everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, someone's leaving the relationship. I think because it takes two to make a relationship work, I think you have to try to identify why did the relationship get to this point. Right. I, I, when you say rare, what do you what do you mean by that? Do you think it doesn't happen very often? Is that what yeah, you mean? That's that's what I would guess. I mean, I would imagine that if someone says, "That's it, I'm done, I want out," is that there was problems or there was some sort of conflict before that. I mean, and maybe there wasn't serious problems, but you'd have to be pretty oblivious to not recognize that your spouse has got a foot out the door or is thinking of leaving. Right. But I think so. I see this. Oh, often, I, I think often within the, you know, uh, the context of my work, but, you know, I, I acknowledge that I'm seeing couples who are struggling and so it's going to occur more often. Right. But I think you're right that, you know, there are in those situations, there's certainly conflict going on, but not always. And I think the more common theme that I see is a disconnection. Yeah. And I'm seeing that more and more couples come in and they say we're just disconnected. Now, where it can feel sudden is that often, this is the difference between men and women, often men are happy as long as they're, they say this, as long as their wives are happy. And I think often women hide the fact that they're really unhappy in the relationship because they don't have the connection, the emotional connection yeah. um, that they want. And I'm, and when I when I talk to couples, because I'll see them and they're at that point where often the wife, not always, but often she'll say, OK, I'm done. And it does indeed catch the husband off guard because he thinks that everything's going on along just fine. Mm -hmm. He's OK with the type of emotional connection that they have and the level of emotional connection. And she is not. And I, I believe the wives, when they say to me, and I, I think all of them will say at one time, I have tried for years. I have said things over the years to say, I want more. Uh -huh. And sadly, I think a lot of men just are so unaware about emotional issues and about emotional connection. I mean, I get a couple of responses. They don't understand what their wife is talking about. Mm -hmm. They have no idea what she's unhappy at. That, and I think that's the suddenness, you know, that I see because they think everything's fine. She's really unhappy. She's also been trying to tell him for a long time in her mind mm -hmm. that she's unhappy and he hasn't made any movement. And so what happens, they end up in my office. He's confused. She's done. Yeah. But yet 
she's still, you know, they most typically have kids. And so she's willing for the children to try it. Now, what often happens then is the guy starts working on it. Okay. Yeah. And this makes the wife really angry. And the reason for that is why now? And she says, I have been asking you for this for years. And now that I threatened to leave you or that I'm out the door, that's when you decide that you want to start working on it. Mm -hmm. So it is problematic. And sometimes the wives are just done and they don't, you know, they've had enough. They, in their mind, they've said enough times that, you know, I want this to change and nothing's changed. So they are out the door. So I think in that way, it does feel sudden to the husband. Yeah. Yeah. And that I can definitely see, you know, and maybe I'm thinking of this from a female's perspective, because maybe putting this into the context of what would this look like if this happened in my own marriage? And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to imagine because I think Curtis and I, we have a really good emotional connection and there's just, there's everything that we can talk about. I guess we have regular conversations or regular, maybe you call them check-ins where we'll just, we'll have a deep conversation and we can talk about, you know, what's the status of our relationship? How do we feel like we're doing as a couple? And it's not like it comes up like that. It comes up a little bit more organically. I would feel completely blindsided if Curtis said, I want to leave, you know, that would really take me by surprise. Well, I I think it's hard for us to imagine what that's like, that emotional disconnection. Because you don't have it. And what you're describing to me about your marriage is you're doing fairly regular check-ins. Yeah. And it's not that surprising to me that many couples don't just because that's what I see. Mm -hmm. And so it is so easy for couples, either the two career couples, it often happens with because they're both involved in their careers. And then they, you know, you throw in the mix two or three children and Mm -hmm. they, they are exhausted by the end of the day and they feel like they don't have any energy left. I hear this all the time. I don't have energy left to give to you or to even put into sitting with you and connecting verbally. They, for some reason, the perception of a lot of people is that that takes a lot of energy to do that when I I don't think it does. And so they go for years in that, with that disconnection. Now, the other thing you mentioned, the conflict, and it's true that, you know, often there is conflict. I think the common thread might be one of them is saying, I want this to change, whatever it is, is it the conflict or the disconnection? So one saying, I want this to change, and the other one isn't responding. Mm -hmm. And they get to a point where they say, okay, I'm done. And so it will feel sudden to the other person. But in the, you know, in the mind of the one who's leaving, it's not sudden at all. Right. That person is saying, I have been trying for years to get this to change and I'm done. Yeah. And I've certainly seen that in couples, you know, in relationships before, just, I mean, definitely not on the scale that you would see it, but just, you know, in couples that I've known. And I think another big thing that is important to talk about, or when this often happens, or a main reason for disconnect is when kids come along. Mm-hmm. And we know, and we've said this time and time again on this show, kids change everything. And they it do. certainly changes the relationship. And I hear this quite often that once the baby comes along, men often feel neglected and they yeah. feel cast aside because... Yeah. 
women are going to put everything into this tiny new human being that they're responsible for keeping alive. And that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of energy. And there's the sleepless nights. There's the constant being on call. And I think moms can definitely relate to this. That feel of 24-7, you are always on call, day or night. And it can be really hard to separate yourself from that and not be mom. It's really hard in those first few months to set aside your role as mom and be wife. Yes, I I agree with that. And I think that, I hope this isn't insulting to the men listening. I think men need to be more, more mature about this. And I, I, you know, I believe that we are creatures of evolution and that evolutionarily speaking, that is the mother's job in that moment is, you you know, for tens of thousands of years, that has been the mother's job. Mm -hmm. And the husband might go off and do the hunting and the gathering or whatever. But so our history is that that's the way we take care of our children. That's where we survive. The husbands need to be mature about this. Now, I and I think you're right, and I've always thought that, boy, those first six months to a year are really tough. I've yeah. always thought it's mostly about the lack of sleep yes. is, is just so tough. But, you know, somewhere between six months and a year, then the couple needs to start having the conversation about, okay, how at times do we reconnect? Yes. And I think the mistake that a lot of couples make is they never have that conversation. And it has to be an ongoing conversation. And one of the things I wanted to say, you know, as far as the situations that we were talking about before, the way to prevent that from happening, you know, the disconnect or even the anger, the fighting, is you've got to check in. Mm -hmm. So what you're describing with Curtis and what, I mean, Lindy and I are in a different situation because all our kids are adult. And so we, we have daily connection that we're doing just because we don't have those responsibilities Mm -hmm. of kids anymore. But I was there for many years with four kids. And so I understand how difficult it is, but the solution is to make it a priority to connect in some way, even though you're both exhausted. Yeah. And I definitely see that it, you know, in my own marriages, there's a lot of times where Curtis has been working all day I've been dealing with kids all day and trying to take care of the house and, you know, and this and that, and we get the kids to bed and we put our kids to bed fairly early, you know, because it's important for both of us to have time to decompress. And once the kids are in bed, I'm spent and Mm -hmm. Curtis is exhausted too. And so one of the things that really helps us to stay connected is this was fantastic when the weather was nicer is we would go on an evening walk Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of it is we did it for the exercise and we're able to do that because once our kids are in bed we know that they stay in bed but we also have a home monitoring system Mm -hmm. and so we can safely lock the door arm the system and then we can monitor our kids with cameras Mm -hmm. you know just to make sure that they're not up and about and and we just stay right in our neighborhood, you know, I mean, line of sight with the house. And it's just fantastic for us. Mm-hmm. Other than monitoring the kids, we're not on our cell phones. We're focused on each other. And we have really good, deep conversations. And I think what it comes down to is we're not in technology. There's no distractions. There's just mm-hmm. us and there's just walking. So those are good ways to prevent what we're talking about, which is yeah. that sudden 
that shock of someone saying, okay, I'm, I'm done, I'm leaving. So the question is then what do you do? And I think that in what we're talking about is a relationship. Now, a lot of couples try counseling, but I have certainly seen couples where one of the people is done. And, and I asked him directly, I don't know if this is a hard thing, if clients experience this way, but I ask the hard questions because otherwise, you know, why come in? And I ask them very directly. Usually couples in the first session, tell me about your commitment to the marriage. Tell me about what you're willing to do as far as changing behavior. And it doesn't really feel like I back them into a corner. I just want an honest answer. Where are you at? Because engaging in therapy when you're really not going to stay in the relationship. It's a waste of time and money. And I think it's a bit disrespectful to your partner. I think as as hard as it is, it's easier just to say I'm done. Mm -hmm. So I think in marriages, that's really tough when one person is done and the other person wants to work on it. And so the biggest risk I see is the person who, so, so let's say they follow through, they get a divorce, they might have children, but they often have children. And so the biggest risk, I think, is the person who did not want the marriage to end becomes angry and resentful. Yeah, there's a lot of bitter feelings. Oh, a lot of bitter feelings. And, you know, parents, at least in my office, they'll always say we want to do the best thing for the kids. Yes. That rarely happens in my experience. When I mean, it does sometimes, but. The risk is the person's going to be vindictive and try and get back at the parent who, you know, wanted the divorce. And so I think you have to be very careful about, well, all it's the maturity, being more mature yes. and really think about is my behavior going to be the best thing for my children or not? Mm-hmm. And what do I want to show them? And I think that divorce is hard. It's hard on kids, no matter what. Yep. But I think if parents can somehow maintain certainly at the very minimum a good working relationship Mm -hmm. and I have seen rarely this happen where parents are actually friendly they can get past it and they can be friendly and that is ideal in a divorce because the kids don't see the parents fighting with each other I've seen several couples where they're actually better at parenting at divorce than they were as partners and the wife is remarried has this uh, you know not in a new family because they're older but the person I see who's a divorced husband always spends Thanksgiving and Christmas and they bring their kids together and so they have figured out a way to make it work Mm -hmm. now that's a rarity I sadly I wish it weren't but I think it's about being more mature and putting aside your anger and or your hurt you know I think mostly it's about hurt feelings yeah. you know they're, they're feeling hurt yeah, this person didn't want to stay with me this person didn't want to work on the marriage and we often turn hurt into anger and we become vindictive and that that is the biggest risk that you need to work about Absolutely. And it's definitely worth talking about. And, you know, on the one hand, I could understand, I mean, because how devastated would I feel if that were me, you know, if Curtis mm-hmm. decided that he was done and, and he wanted to leave, that would be really, really hard, especially if you want to keep working on it, and especially if it happened suddenly. Yeah. But I mean, I think you're right. I think you have to find a healthy way to cope. And I think good talk therapy Yes. Really talking to anyone. Friends. Friends can be very helpful. 
in, yeah. in situation. Yeah, but I think one okay. of the good things could be about talk therapy is you can tell someone who's completely unaffiliated with your spouse, you can tell them exactly how you feel and how you think about that person. Because when you're going through a divorce and you're not the one that wanted the divorce, you wanted to work on the relationship, it is completely normal to have very uncordial, unkind thoughts about that person. That's normal. And I think it's okay to find a healthy way to get those feelings and get those emotions out there and to just say it. And talk therapy could be a really healthy way because I don't think it's a good idea to say that to mutual friends you may have, you know, and it's certainly not a good idea to say it to your parents, especially if you have kids, because no matter what, if you have kids, you are connected to that person for the rest of your lives. Yeah, and I, I agree with that, that I think you do have to be careful. The benefit of coming into therapy is that whatever you say stays, you know, yeah. in the room and you're right. If you're talking to friends, if they're mutual friends or parents, then the risk is that one, it either gets back to the ex-spouse, makes them yeah. mad, or somehow it leaks out to the kids. And you really want to insulate the children from your anger. And so if I go back to the ideal situation is you want to be friendly, yeah. even though you're hurt and because you want to do it for them yeah. and you, you have to be good co-parents for them. And so you've got to put aside your hurt feelings. And yeah. that is really, really tough for most people. Yeah, it. I would imagine it is. And I think it's okay to put some distance at first. You know, I mean, I think it's okay if, you know, if you can't get along or if it's just too hard or if it's too painful, then don't be around each other. Keep the contact at a minimum right until you can get right. to a more healthy emotional space about this that's a really good point liz because i think some distance often helps yeah and, it, you, know, you need that distance to i don't know i think start the healing process but then eventually you can come back together and you aren't going to be the way you were but you can certainly be friendly and good co-parents right and i think with time it's definitely achievable i mean when everything's new and raw and fresh it's going to hurt and it's, it's going to be really hard, but yeah. you know, eventually time is going to go on and hopefully a couple can get to a place where they can at least respect one another. I saw this online post and this was coming from, I think it was coming from a judge or something like that who dealt a lot with family law and with custody battles. And he said, no matter what decisions you've made, no matter what you feel about this person, that child that you guys have together is 50% you and 50% that person. So when you sit here and bash your partner that you have this child with, that's like bashing them because they are 50% that person. And it's really, really true. I mean, you can be as angry as you want and have all of the angry feelings and all the vindictiveness. Put that on yourself. Sure. Feel those feelings. Have those emotions. Do not put those emotions on your kids. It is completely unfair. It's immature. It's selfish. And it's just, it's destructive. Yeah, I agree. But be more mature about it. And yes, you don't want the divorce, but it's happening anyway. You can't control 
what other people are going to do. And that's what makes it so hard is as human beings, we like to be in control. We like certainty. We like routine. We like consistency. And we like to be able to have a sense of control of things. And when someone decides they're going to leave, your entire life is going to be turned upside down. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be out of your control. And that's hard. That's really hard. Yep. So could we talk about like a different situation? Say when a person leaves a religion that you're in, because I think that can feel sudden as well. And that happens fairly frequently here in Salt Lake City. And so I do have a fair amount of experience with that. But I want to say at the outset that I have a bias towards keeping the family together. Yes. And so I think that in this case, that we we all change through the lifespan. And I acknowledge that that, like if, if you both enter and you get married and you're in, you're, you're very devout, you know, members of a particular religion. And then along the way, something happens or, you know, one of the partners says, okay, I'm not interested in that anymore. That is pretty shocking and it's upsetting. Yeah. I really don't think it's cause to end the marriage. And you may feel differently about that, but I think that that is one of those things that the couples can work through and should work through if there are children involved. Now, if there aren't children involved, then I think it's a whole different scenario. And I think you have the right to say, okay, I, you know, I want something different. But, you know, when, once you have children involved, I think the decision becomes often about them. And I would agree it's more important to keep the family together. And that's what most religions teach. I mean, most religions, family is the center. And, Mm -hmm. you know, once you are married, you are a family. And then once there are children brought in, that's the most important thing. And so I think it's healthy for kids to see that mom and dad, they think differently, they believe differently, but they're still a team. They still, they're still together. And most often what I see is one person has lost their faith. So I think that couples can work through this. I think it's hard if they try and do it on their own, because often they need someone to help guide them through that process and to understand about individual differences and that you can love someone and you can have a really good productive relationship and you can be good parents together. And I think you can have a, a very fulfilling life with each other even when you have these differences. It's just you have to, I think the hardest thing, if there are children involved, is you have to work out the practical nature of, there are always these questions, do we raise the children in the church? Do we not? Do they go to church? Do they not? And so those are just, you know, structural or practical things within the family that you have to figure out. I think it also depends on the age of the children. I think as children hit adolescence, you know, older adolescents, they're going to decide for themselves anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, what they're going to do with a particular religion. You know, I go back to the idea of validation and empathy. You do not have to agree with someone to validate their position. And so in a marriage where you have that intimate emotional connection, you really want to get to a place where you can each say, I understand the reason, you know, you lost your faith and that you don't want to be a part of this anymore. (laughs) But equally, the person who has left the religion has to be able to say, I really get it how hard this is for you. And I really get it how important your faith is for you and that the religion is for you. And I don't think you can 
be productive in deciding how do you move ahead, you know, with your relationship with the kids until you do those things. And that's the basic piece that a lot of couples don't do well. They want to go right to solution. And so, you know, one person comes and says, okay, I'm leaving the church. And immediately they go into problem solving mode. Okay, what does this look like? I think that's the the wrong approach. Mm -hmm. Slow down and really understand where each other's coming from. I think that's primary. Okay, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Hi there, my name is Maya Acosta and I'm the host of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast where I explore ways that we can optimize our health. I learned about the field of lifestyle medicine which uses evidence-based approaches to prevent, halt, and in even some cases reverse disease. These are lifestyle modalities such as using certain foods as medicine, using exercise to reverse disease, managing our stress, and even getting adequate sleep. Join me and the amazing people that I get to talk to as I set out to learn how taking better care of ourselves can help us both improve the quality of life and enhance our longevity. Let's get started. And also recognize that at first it's going to be hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is a major upheaval in your relationship and it's not just like, you know, you're both going to be able to say, oh, okay, and then move on. It's going to take time to navigate this and it's going to take time to understand. And I think it, like you said, it's a good idea to try to do counseling or to, you know, talk to someone and get an outside perspective or find someone that can help you navigate this because it's going to be raw. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in some ways it might even feel like a betrayal. Well, I actually, that's a good word. I, as I was thinking about doing, you know, driving to work today and we were going to do this tonight, it is a betrayal, Liz. I think that's not a bad word to put to it. And, you know, Gottman has this great book. I can't remember the title of it now, but it he talks about, often we think of betrayal as just being a betrayal of going and having an affair. Mm-hmm. He lists like 12 different types of betrayals, and this would certainly fit within that, you know, type of, it's a type of betrayal. But I, you know, if you have, say, a betrayal of an affair, I still think couples can repair from that. Mm -hmm. And that's what, and I work with couples to do that if that's their choice. So yes, I would say it's a betrayal of sorts. I don't think that means that it ends the marriage, but I do think you need to conceptualize it that way. Like if I'm the one who's left the, the religion, I have to understand how my wife would feel like that's a betrayal. Even though I might not agree with it, I've got to get it from her perspective that it is. Yes. And I think you're absolutely right. And putting this, you know, from my own perspective of what would that look like if Curtis came to me and suddenly said, I no longer am interested in continuing our religion. I mean, that would shock me. And I would feel devastated because we have built our entire lives around our religion. And it's always, for both of us, a core part of who we are. And it's the entire foundation of our marriage. It's it's how we've decided everything. It's all been based on our religion, our faith, our belief, which is central around our family. And I think that's why it works so well, is because right. we centered on family. But either one of us would feel shocked and devastated if the other one decided that they wanted to leave. And I really like that 
you're saying that it's important for the person leading the faith to understand that. And I think if you really love someone, you can get to that place of empathy and validation and realize that they're going to feel hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listeners know that I'm really big on empathy and validation. I think that it's what's missing in a lot of relationship is just taking the time to do that, to really get it from the other person's perspective. And remember, you don't have to agree with them, but you certainly have to understand it. Yeah. I think another good thing to talk about is when maybe someone is questioning their faith, mm-hmm. they're not sure if they believe or if they're thinking, I don't know if this is for me. That can also be very distressing. It can be very hard. But I think it's very important to not go into trying to fix their faith. Don't go right. to saying things like, well, maybe you just you need to try harder. You need to put more into it. That's not helpful because no. that's not where this person is emotionally. And you need to come to their level and try to understand where they're coming from. And you need to support them through that process. Right. And I think that, you know, if, if listeners go back to that episode we had on communication and the, the idea of listen and understand validation and empathy, mm-hmm. the fourth step, which I rarely talk about is solution or resolution. But I think if you focus on the understanding, the validation and the empathy through that. So the person, your your spouse is just questioning it. And I've seen this time and time again, where if you can do that process where you're just trying to understand it, what happens is it helps the person who's trying to figure it out, it helps them to understand what's happening as well. Because often it's that back and forth and it's getting, you know, if you're asking the questions for understanding, then that might be something that the person who's questioning their faith may not have thought about. And so it is a very helpful process. Whether or not they stay or leave is not the point in that process. The important thing in that moment is the relationship. Yes. And I think that's probably how it's going to evolve anyways. It's probably going to naturally evolve with someone saying, I'm not sure about this anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty rare for someone just to wake up one day and say, meh, I'm done. Pretty uncommon. There's almost always a process when someone decides to leave a religion. And if you want to keep that relationship good, that relationship strong, be there through that process and don't try to fix it. Don't try right. to jump to solution. Just You're there. right, but it can feel sudden because often what happens is a person who's questioning it keeps that process internal. That's true. And so they've been thinking about it for years. Mm-hmm. And for them, it's not sudden. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, there might be any number of reasons that they have. They've chosen not to share that with their spouse. And so with the spouse, you know, this person has gone through this whole process and it's made sense to them and they announce it and the spouse feels like they've been hit by a truck yeah, because they were not part of that whole couple of year process mm-hmm. that, that was going on. I see that often, which I think really says transparency in intimate relationships is really important. And so that emotional connection is really about being vulnerable enough Mm -hmm. to share those things that you're, you might be afraid to share. Yeah. And that that's really the definition of intimacy. Yeah, absolutely. Is feeling like you can talk to them about anything and it can be hard to bring up things that are uncomfortable And, and things that maybe feel uncomfortable to say. And I've certainly experienced that of there's been something that I've wanted to bring up to Curtis, but I'm not sure how he's going to react about it. I'm not sure how he's going to feel about it. 
And so one thing that can be helpful in that context is to write it out first. Mm-hmm. And maybe you end up giving them that letter. And I would preface it with, you know, I'm I'm dealing with something and I need to communicate something with you, but I want to get it right. And I've said that to Curtis before. And I've, I've sent him a message and I've said, I have something I want to say, but I want to get it right. And so I'm writing it out to you because I want to properly express myself. And so don't be afraid to do that. Even if you write it out and then burn it and they never see it, that's okay too. But if you're not sure how to handle a difficult process, I think writing it can be incredibly helpful. That's a technique that I often suggest because, you know, you get into the situation if you're a bit anxious and you've, you're going to forget some important points and thinking it out first where you're calm. And if you have to read it, fine. If not, that's fine if you have it in front of you. But I think just the process of writing it down is very helpful. Yeah. And it's it's a good coping technique and it's a good way to communicate. I mean, there is something to be said about the written word. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that words have power. We know they have meaning. And seeing it out on paper, I mean, not only can it be incredibly freeing for you, but, you know, you can change it. You can change the words and you can communicate it in a way that you feel like you can be understood. And yeah. again, I don't think this can be said too much. The person who is receiving those words, they have to be open. And it's important to take a pause and take a deep breath and temper your reaction. Because your initial reaction might be anger or fear. You know, you're going to feel some sort of upheaval of emotion if you get some crazy news like this. And, you know, maybe that's the benefit of of writing it out. Write it out and then go away because maybe you don't want to see the reaction, that first initial reaction. I think there's something to be said about that. But I think I was thinking about takeaways. And I think there are really two different situations that we've talked about. One is the end of a marriage where you really can't control it. And the other is the end, say, of a lifestyle, perhaps, that, you know, you're going to continue the marriage. But I think in the first one, my advice to listeners would be pay attention because you brought up, it's rare that this would just come out of the blue, which I think is true. But what I see is people don't pay attention to the complaints or the unhappiness of their partner. Yeah. And so... Yeah, you know, if you aren't paying attention, then eventually over the years, a person's going to get tired of that and say, okay, I'm done. Mm -hmm. It will feel sudden to you. It's not really that sudden. And then, so, you know, the first one is pay attention. In the second situation with the, you know, say leaving the religion, it's really about the communication and the empathy and the validation and understanding that we can change throughout the lifespan And we can still be good parents and we can still be good marriage partners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think going back to, you know, when someone suddenly decides to leave, I want to say a quote, and I don't know where it comes from. I think it might actually be from John Gottman. Mature people say what they want. Mm -hmm. I don't know who said that, but I agree with it. Yeah. And so if there is something that is bothering you, don't just drop hints and don't be subtle about it. I think you need to say explicitly, this is what I want. This is what I want to change and have an open, a very open dialogue about what you expect. Right. But the, the role of the other person Mm -hmm. is to pay attention. Yes. 
Yes. And so it takes two to tango. Yes, it does. One person does not a marriage make. And so, you know, you have to be able to talk about it and communicate. So, all right. Next week, we're going to get into a fun topic and we're going to give our listeners some homework. Not that you have to do it, but there is this video called A Tale of Two Brains. And this comes from Mark Gungor. And I apologize if I'm butchering his name. I probably am. And so he's this marriage speaker. He speaks on marriage and relationships. And he does this really funny video talking about the difference between men's brain and women's brain. 